Welcome to another broadcast of Hope for the Heart. My name is William Rogers. I'll be bringing another message today out of God's Word, and today we're in Psalm 19. We're continuing this psalm because I I wanted to take just a few weeks and talk about a challenge for the new year. I've had so many people talk to me about how they wish their year had been different. It was a tough year. It was a hard year. So I just thought I'd put something in in a podcast form that might might challenge and encourage our hearts to just get in God's Word. So Psalm 19, I want to read just a couple of verses there. We've been trying to cover uh, verses 7 through 14 generally, not exegetically. I did not intend to go through all of these verses. I've done that in the past. But I just want to cover some things, and I think I'm going to wrap it up today with this exhortation to read God's Word. And I want to read from Psalm 19, and I will read uh, verse 9 and verse 10. Uh, Psalm 19, verse 9 and verse 10. The Word of God reads, beginning in Psalm 19, verse 9, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. As you know, we have been going through this, if you've been with me at all and listening to some of these, we've been going through these verses, 7 through 14, and we saw that we have moved from uh, the very first verse of the psalm, from moving from a general revelation to a very specific or special revelation. And we've been seeing some things that I think are are just uh, wonderful. So I just want to recap a little bit and then move uh, forward some. Uh, Verses 7, 8, and 9, we have six statements about Scripture. They're just general statements about Scripture, and it uses, uh, the, it uses these to, to describe God's Word with things like the law of the Lord or the testimony of the Lord, or the precepts of the Lord, and all these can be, uh, we can actually substitute those for the Word of God uh, in, in those places because it's all talking about the, the written Word of God. So when it says in verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul, we said that that could be translated or better read as the word of, of the, the word of God is perfect, reviving the heart. And uh, that is totally uh, accurate to the translation of this. Uh, so we have six lines of thought referring to Scripture. And again, the law of the Lord the testimony of the Lord, the precepts of the Lord, the commandments of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, and the judgments of the Lord. All of those are of the Lord, and it's basically indicating to us that this is God's Word. It's all God-breathed, as uh, Paul writes in Timothy. And so we see that uh, these are sayings that ought to encourage our heart. And I'm giving this because I find so many believers... And I've been like this many times, where I just I just go a while without reading God's Word. Well, when you really read what Scripture says about itself, and you read statements like this, I mean, how do you think David felt? David wrote this psalm. Do you think he felt like, I don't really want to read the Word today, or I don't really uh, uh, feel like praying today or talking to the Lord today? He didn't have much of the scriptures to read, a written word at that time, but uh, he had uh, God speaking through him and revealing things to him and protecting him. And so we, we look at this and we think, well, gosh, if, if, if God's word really is all of that, 
then why don't I read it more? Why don't I actually just love to get in God's Word? Which is why I've entitled this message today, Are You Hungry for God's Word? These verses talk about God's Word, saying it restores or revives the heart. It makes wise the simple. It rejoices the heart. It is it's enlightening the eyes. It's, it's enduring forever. And it's altogether, it's true, and it's altogether righteous. And so you think, wow, if that really is God's Word, then I ought to be in it more. And that's exactly my challenge for this year for you. You see, we do get in God's Word. I think sometimes we worry more about a system of study than we do devotionally just reading God's Word and seeing how He might want to to speak to us. So just basically going over some of these, we said beginning in verse 7, the the law of the Lord, or as we said, the Word of God is perfect, reviving the heart. That's really another way you can read that. Scripture is God teaching man all that he needs to know to live life to the fullest. Now, you have an option. You have a choice. Do you believe that statement? Let me give you the statement again. Scripture is God teaching man all that he needs to know to live life to its fullest. Now, let's just apply that to 2024. The Word of God is God showing us how to live 2024 to the fullest. Now, it might not be giving me all of the things I want or think I want, but it is God guiding me, God navigating my life, God directing me, God giving me wisdom through our circumstances, God uh, giving me uh, 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 the ability to be able to think clearly. He gives me the joy in my heart. And so with that in mind, we look at verse 7 and we say, wow, that is a tremendous challenge for the, for the year just to realize that the Word of God is perfect and it revives my heart. My heart needs reviving. And so we look at this and we think, wow, this is, this is really what I need. Look at verse 7 again. It says perfect. The, Lord, or the Word of God is perfect, restoring the heart. Well, what does perfect mean? And we said it means complete. It means comprehensive. Nothing can be taken from it. Nothing can be added to it. And, and, and we made this statement two weeks ago, in which I've got many comments on. It's everything it needs to be. Well, what one book, what one source are you going to have at your disposal in 2024 that is everything it needs to be for you? There is nothing, only the Word of God. Then the intent of this very first part of what verse 7 says the full intent is the idea that it, it lacks nothing, but more importantly, that it possesses everything. It's comprehensive. It's a flawless set of instructions, completely sufficient for everything I might need to call upon the Lord for in 2024. That is incredible. It, it, it's, it's, it's everything that my heart will need. And you know, if we are true born-again believers, we need God's Word. That's why we're going to end this message today a little different. I'm going to switch over from Psalm 19 over to 1 Peter. But verse 7, it says this, that we, we, we actually, is, is what it's saying is that uh, the, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring, reviving the heart. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Man, imagine this. Imagine having at your disposal all year 
the ability to make the right choice. Make right choices in life. You think you're going to have to make any choices this year? Absolutely. Well, look at what it says. The testimony of the Lord or the Word of God is sure making wise the simple. And we looked at that in great detail last time by saying that it is sure making wise the simple. It gives us wisdom. Sure means able to be trusted, able to be followed. That's what God's Word is. And it's simple in the sense that it it will show you and teach you discernment. One of the things I've always said in ministry is that Christians lack discernment. And we said that this is a uh, a root word for an open door. We, we you know we think, well, I'm so open-minded, I, I welcome all ideas. Well, the, the Word of God says, no, close that mind. You don't need all these ideas. You don't need all the many, many voices speaking to you. You need God's voice. A simple-minded person is a person with the door of their mind is is open. Well, we don't want to be that. We want to have a closed mind in the sense that it's closed to uh, bad ideas or bad voices or bad signals coming from, from others. If you don't have discernment, then what do you keep out of your mind? What do you allow in? What do you not allow in? And that's all that this is saying. We don't need counsel from wicked people. Something to be protected in your life is, is your mind. We have to protect our mind. What we allow into our mind will affect us. And who knows what you're going to allow into your mind just during the month of January or February that's going to affect the whole rest of your year. So, God's Word is what we are needing. That, that's actually what it's all saying. It doesn't just come out and say, you need God's Word. But the, the Word of God is perfect, reviving the heart. The testimonies of the Lord is perfect, making wise the simple. And then it moves to the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. We looked at that last time. You can't read God's Word without, without it rejoicing the heart. It's looking at Scriptures. Precepts are Scriptures or doctrine. Doctrines are what we need. They're, they're not suggestions that we've said. That they're, nice. they're not nice ideas. Doctrine simply means a truth. A truth that is to be read and understood. Look at how it says it. The the teachings or the doctrines of the Word of God are right, rejoicing the heart. And then it says the commandments of the Lord is the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. And we mentioned last week, well, where does your joy come from? Well, it should be coming from the Word of God. But when it says in verse 8, the commandment of the Lord is pure and lightening the eyes, it means that the commandment of the Lord that speaks of Scripture as divine decrees, divine mandates, they are authoritative, they are sovereign, they're binding, they are non-optional demands by God on man. Disobedience means judgment and obedience means rewards. It says these commandments, as the New American Standard says, are pure. But the better translation is clear. They're clear, loose, transparent, easy to understand that we've already mentioned this. God's Word is not written so you can't simply read it. You can read the Ten Commandments out of Exodus and know, even if you're an unbeliever, and understand what those laws are, what those commandments are. They're not hard. You can read those and they are clear to us. And so we see that the commandment of the Lord is, 
is clear, enlightening the eyes. And then it says the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The fear of the Lord is clean. This looks at Scripture as divine worship. Fear meaning worship or awe or reverence. It's a manual on worship. And let me tell you something. If you're not spending time in the manual, then perhaps we're misunderstanding our worship. Uh, when I read Scripture like this, and, and I see things like this, it is, it's almost a... a it almost creates in your heart a desire to just want to 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 bow and to, and to worship God and to, to go into prayer. Sometimes I pray back to God the very scriptures that I've read. Like when you read Psalm 19, l- listen to this. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, this is verse 14 of Psalm 19, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock, and my redeemer. Well, just turn around and pray that back to God. That's praying scripture. It is a manual on worship, and it says it's clean. Look at at how it says this. The fear of the Lord is clean, and it endures forever. Free from what? Clean from what? Well, what does it mean, clean? It means free from error, free from corruption, this is a singular statement that speaks in the Bible of inerrancy. It's really, it's, 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 it does what it's intended to do. It's free from defilement. It's free from corruption, free from error, impurities, filthiness, imperfection. Psalm 12, verse 6 tries to make the emphasis by saying, The words of the Lord are pure words like silver, tested in a furnace seven times. Pure, and the evidence is it endures forever. And this is, re- this is re- referring to God's Word. It's going to endure forever. So let me ask you, why not spend 2024 with more time in God's Word? Why would you say, no, I don't think I will? I don't think you would say that. I really don't think you would say that. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether is the way verse 9 closes that out. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous all together. Judgments means the the adjudications from the divine bench, as one writer puts it. They're divine verdicts. The judge of all the earth has recorded in his word his verdicts from the the council of his own uh, uh, tribunal in heaven. They are true. They are true altogether. Just to say that I, I... I love to say that the, the Bible is true, is basically what it's saying. Had a hard time getting that out, didn't I? Basically what this verse 9 says is the Word of God or the Bible or Scriptures is true. It's true. It's absolute truth. And that is one thing that we need today. And, you know, and, and I look at this and I look back at my life and I wonder... How many people come into January and they were asked this question? Do you think you spent enough time in God's Word this year? How would you have liked to have spent more time? Or would you have liked to have spent more time? I say it all the time. I wish I had spent more time reading God's Word. Well, this Word of God is a gift. I mean, if you're looking at life and saying, 
What would I want out of life? You might say, wow, I'd sure like to be a different person. Well, would you like to be a different person in 2024 than you were in 2023 or in previous years? I'm sick of my sin, you might think or say. This book, it says, can transform you. It can revive or change the heart. I wish I could just navigate my life. I wish I knew how to make right decisions and right choices. You know, what to accept and what not to accept in my life. Well, this book provides that wisdom. I wish I had the joy in my heart when I read God's Word. And when I come up against the impossible circumstances, I wish there was just, I could still maintain the joy. Well, this book provides that. I wish I could live above it and have lasting joy above the circumstances, that is. Well, you can. This book provides that. I wish I could see the dark things more clearly, or the hard areas, or the ambiguous areas, or the dreadful areas. I wish I had a deeper understanding of so many areas in my life. I just, God, I need to have a deeper or clear understanding of so many areas of my life. Well, this book does that. I wish I had something I could go to in every circumstance, every situation, and know that it was absolutely relevant. That's a big word today. That's why so many worship services are changing. That's why they're going to so many either seeker-friendly or uh, seeker I can't even think of the word now, seeker-friendly worship services or the contemporary service because they want God's Word to be more relevant. They say they are making God's Word more relevant. Well, are they? Well, I don't know about that because I'd have to look directly at one. But this book is that. This book is absolutely relevant. Remember, we said it's everything it needs to be for me all the time. In the end, this book, this Bible, the Word of God is true. It is absolutely true. There's nothing else. It's almost like I I could say it's the most valuable, and that's why the psalmist says this. I just quoted this a while ago. The psalmist says this. The words of this book are more desirable than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings from the honeycomb. Really? If that's what they are, then let me ask you, if you had a choice, you could choose how you want to live this year. I want to live with the full wisdom, understanding, clarity. I want to be able to see clearly through dark circumstances. I want to be uh, encouraged. I want to have the joy. Uh, Would you, at that point, say, well, I can do this I don't really have to spend much time in God's Word. I've already read God's Word. I've had somebody, I've had people tell me, well, I've read God's Word all the way through in the last five or six years, and it didn't really help me that much. Well, perhaps you're reading it more as a textbook and not as a devotion. And you know, when I look at this, and I, like I did this morning, jumping into this and, and looking at and thinking through what I'm going to be able to say today, I thought about this, and I want you to turn here, and we'll, we'll, we'll look at this for just a minute. Look over with me 
at First Peter chapter 2. Now again, I'm not going to do an exegesis on all of this. I just want to use this to wrap up this uh, challenge for this year. In answering, helping to answer the question, are you hungry for God's word? Because Peter asked that question. Look at what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2. He says, like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word, that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. Now, what's Peter talking about there? What is he actually talking about? Well, I think it becomes very clear that he's talking about the the Word of God. He's making use of the Old Testament in a number of places in, in this, this First Peter. He would say, exposing the Old Testament, as we saw in verse 6, follows. And, you know, if we were to go back and look at those, I'm not going to do that. But there's one driving thought here. There's one driving action. Or there's one driving verb here that's a command. It's an imperative. And it reads this. Long for the pure milk of the word. Now you would say, you know, if, if the Bible is all the things that Psalm 19 says it is, and does all of these things, then why am I not longing for the pure milk of the word? Why do I? Well, everything in this passage supports this thought. Everything in here supports longing for the pure milk of the word. That is the main thrust of the entire passage. It is a command. Just think about this. God is giving us a command to desire Scripture, to desire the Word of God, to desire the Word of God. So if I'm not desiring the Word of God, then I am in disobedience to a command of Scripture. There's so many places I could take us that that talk about the Word of God. Like John chapter 8, he who is of God hears God's word. Well, how do you hear God's word if you're not in God's word? You, you have to be reading God's word. And we know we can read it as, as a choice. We can spend time in it. Psalm 19 says, The word of God are more desirable than gold. Yeah, than much fine gold, sweeter also than the drippings of the honeycomb. That's what they are. But do we hunger for God's word? Psalm 40, verse 8, the psalmist says, I delight to do your will, O God. Your word is within my heart. Well, how did it get there? How did it get there? Think about this. Is God's word in your heart? The richest and most generous portion of Scripture describing the believer's love and delight in the word of God is Psalm 119. (coughs) If I were to try to do an exegesis of that, that would be, take me a long time. It's got 174 verses in it, so that would take a long time. But there you can see the theme going through uh, Psalm 119. And the theme is, repeatedly, it says, I love your word. Or there it says, I love your law. I delight in your law. I rejoice in your law. And he says that in so many different ways. And Peter is picking up on that. He says that we are to long for, or actually it's a, it's a word that means, uh, when he says long for the pure milk of the word, long for is an imperative, which we've already said, and it, but it means to desire or to crave. Uh, and when you put a preposition in front of it in the original language, it intensifies the word. Listen to the way it's used 
and you don't even recognize it because it's used this way differently. It says in Psalm 42.1, As the deer pants or longs after the water brook, so pants my soul after you, O God. <clears throat> and I have to ask myself all the time, Lord, do I long for your word? Do I crave your word? Am I anxious in the morning to get into your word every day? Well, Psalm 119, 174 is used to express the psalmist's desire and delight in the law of the Lord. To long for, to desire, to crave, strong, intense, compelling craving is found nine times in the New Testament. Nine. Nine times in the New Testament. And look look at some of these. Uh, I, I want to just give you a couple of minutes to mention, you know, we, we see that Paul mentions it, Peter mentions it, James mentions it. Uh, but... Romans chapter 1 and Philippians 1, Paul uses this word to describe the craving for effect ministry. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he uses it to describe his desire, his longing for heaven. And then again, it's used in 2 Corinthians 9, uses it to describe his love and yearning. In 1 Thessalonians, his deep need, his deep hunger for fellowship. It reflects intensity, ever-occurring, reoccurring uh, passion and insatiable longing. In other words, do we have that desire for God's Word? That's all Peter's doing. Is he just saying we need to desire God's Word? Peter's, but he's not saying, I, I think you ought to work on this. He's saying by demand, by command, he's demanding that. He's demanding a consuming craving for God's Word. In the midst of a world of impurities, uh, a world full of corrupt things, where we see evil going rampant, uh, he calls for this singular kind of craving for what is unadulterated, uncontaminated, the pure milk of the Word. Pure is used to talk about food that has been purified, so it's edible. Oil that has been purified so that it's usable, wine that has been purified, so that it's drinkable. In this case, he's using the reference to milk, uncontaminated, pure milk, the kind coming straight from the mother to the newborn child, milk that first comes into the world into the mouth of that little baby. Well, what is the milk, the milk of the word? Well, it's translated several ways. First of all, it's translated in Romans 12 as, as, as one thing. But I want you to, to think about this. The pure milk of the Word really is all of the Word of God. In fact, I was reading this morning uh, about this, and one writer puts it so clearly, James Montgomery Boyce puts it like this. It's important that we don't confuse Peter's metaphor with uh, other scripture. He's not merely talking about newborn babes in Christ, Boyce says. This isn't limited to new believers. He is speaking to all Christians regardless of their spiritual maturity or needs of the hour. He's speaking to all of us. We all ought to, as newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the Word. <coughs> and then he says the milk of the Word is the pure Word of God. That's all it means here. It's not to be confused with others where we're talking about the meat of the Word or the milk of the Word. That's not the same illustration here. 
This is the hunger that should be uh, that should be apparent in the life of every believer. However, I think most Christians have instead, uh, well, we've cultivated a diet for spiritual junk food. Let's just face it: we like a, a quick devotion, we like a quick word, we like more of a a saying or even a, a another book about the Word of God. Uh, John MacArthur is quick to say that most people now follow shallow sermons, feel-good stories, worldly entertainment, emotional experiences, and sensory overload to clear verse-by-verse Bible teaching away. Many in the church have cut themselves off from the source of true spiritual food, John MacArthur says, choosing instead to perpetually languish in an unhealthy, under developed state. That is the world of the unbel- of the believer today. No, we're not talking about unbelievers. Others are simply, as, as, as John MacArthur would put it, are starving. Starving for the Word of God. They just don't get many opportunities for the Word of God. Now, others of you have not let me know you go to good churches. You hear tremendous sermons on Sunday, and you're thankful for that. Well, be thankful for that. Because not all Christians can have that privilege before them. It's just not all that easy. Uh, so Peter here is telling us to, to desire God's Word, to long for God's Word, to crave God's Word. And look, he's referring back to, it fits better if you go back to the very root uh, of this in, in the section just before it in chapter 1. You go back and what's he talking about? Verse 23 ends with, uh, the Word of God, and then verse 24 says, all flesh, is, all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls off. And then he says, but the Word of the Lord endures forever, picking up on what Psalm 19 says. And this is the Word which was preached to you. Therefore, long for the pure milk of the Word, as we read in Chapter 2, verse 2. We're to long for that pure milk of the Word. The rabbis in that day actually referred to God's Word as milk. Milk meaning the pure spiritual milk of the Word. Maybe that's why Peter chose this word instead of other words he could have used. And notice also, I want to bring out this. Notice that Peter doesn't command us, command the them to read the Word. Uh, <clears throat> he doesn't command them to study the Word. He doesn't command them to meditate on the Word. He doesn't command them to teach the Word. He doesn't command them to preach the Word. He doesn't even suggest to us that we are to search the Word. He doesn't say that we are to uh, swing the Word around or, or, or wield the Word around of God, uh, but Ephesians does. doesn't tell us to hide the Word of God. All those are essential and we're told that in other places of the Scripture. But the foundation of all that <clears throat> is the necessity to long for it, to crave it. That's the foundational component, to desire God's Word. And so Peter chooses a simple analogy. He says, desire the pure milk of the Word like newborn babies. He reaches into the physical world to find what I think is the most apt illustration that can be used. Babies crave milk, and only milk. You see, we care about the color of the, the baby's room. 
We're concerned about the baby bed or the curtains, not the baby. The baby doesn't care about that. <clears throat> you care about the cute little outfits. The baby doesn't care about that. They don't scream, as one writer puts it, they don't scream when they're offended by the color of their pajamas. They don't get mad when you put blue pajamas on a little girl or pink pajamas on a boy. They're not screaming for that. They scream because they want milk. They come into the world with an obsessive-compulsive disorder. They are OCD at the outset, meaning that's the way we ought to be about God's Word. And isn't it amazing that everything about a baby is wonderfully soft, cuddly, and inviting, except their voice, <laughs> which is horrific. I've heard some of the loudest screams, uh, but it's there to remind us that the baby needs milk. Do we have anything even remotely like that kind of craving for the Word of God? Do we get to the place where we desire it more than our own necessary food? This is the challenge for this year. I challenge you. Search your heart. And Lord, you, you, you know my heart. You can say that. Lord, I know you know my heart. I do not crave the Word of God. I do not long for the Word of God. I don't desire to read the Word of God every day. Say that and see if God answers. I think He will. Do you have anything remotely resembling what Peter's talking about? If you don't, then why not? Why do you not have that? I challenge you to find the answer in the Word of God. And I find, I challenge you to Get in God's Word. Read it every single day. Don't worry about trying to study it. Just read it. Lord, direct my path. Give me insight. May it be enlightening to my eyes. May it revive my heart. May it, be, may it bring rejoicing into my heart. Because, Lord, I know it's going to endure forever. Use that. And I promise you, your 2024 will be probably a lot different than 2023 if you'll spend more time in God's Word. Well, this has been William Rogers, and again, we've been talking about the challenge for 2024. Next time, we'll be right back into Revelation. We're going to be looking at heaven and the full glory of what heaven is, uh, and that comes next time. Thank you for joining me today.